0: Here at Westridge Church, our sole purpose and desire is to lead people on a life changing journey to become fully devoted followers of Jesus Christ. Thank you for deciding to join us in worship through one of our teachings. May this message assist in your daily walk with Jesus Christ. To find out more about Westridge or to connect with us, check us out at westridge.com. Welcome. It's good to see everybody. It's uh, For Paulding County, it's winter break. And uh yeah, and it feels like it feels like it outside. We got one, woo, I think from like a tenth grade, maybe. Yeah, okay, okay. Good. The uh um also uh, tomorrow, I don't know if you know this, they're calling for a, a very cold rain. And uh so Cobb County Schools has also canceled. Um and um I don't know what to say about that. Um I, I hope it's only rained. If it's not, they're prepared so everybody can can sleep in tomorrow I guess if you're if you're a student congratulations you, you got that going for you uh, we're looking today we're walking through the book of Ephesians and we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2 today so you can turn on your your iPhone your iPad and look at our app or use some other inferior device not made by Apple and you can look at what we have there for you and the, the notes are there we'd love for you to follow along or you can actually open your Bible the paper thing they still do that um, and so you can open your Bible we're going to be in Ephesians chapter 2 Ephesians is this gem of a book. I mean, it's this book that honestly, I feel like—I know Pastor Brian feels like—like we could camp out here for probably a year or so, but we know that you would stop coming, and so we don't do that. But we, uh, there's just so much truth in this, and I hope that you're in a small group. If you're not in a small group, this it's a great time to jump in. Go to a small group, and the questions are already there for you. You don't have to be a Bible scholar. You don't have to know anything. Questions are in your are in your app even, and and you can just. Discuss this with others, because there's so much more that I don't even have time to get into today. The Apostle Paul gives us so much rich truth, and Pastor Brian started us out last week in chapter 1. I mean, you've been adopted, you've been rescued, you've been bought twice. There's so, so much there. And the Apostle Paul is just writing on the page, it's just coming out of him. In Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 7, it says this, because of the great love with which he loved us, even when we were dead in our trespasses, made us alive together with Christ. By grace you have been saved and raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus, so that in the coming ages he might show the immeasurable riches of his grace and kindness towards us in Christ Jesus. I mean, he just it just comes out of him. I mean, really and truly. And he says some things like, even twice in the first seven verses here. I mean, he says things, he, he emphasizes things. And then in a couple of verses more, he's going to say some things again. And it's like, what is going on with the apostle Paul as he's writing the, the book of Ephesians? I think it's kind of interesting just to, just to know. I mean, we believe that the Bible is inspired by God and that the Holy spirit used real people to, to write everything down. And so every word there was, was something that was intended by God to be there. But in the midst of all of this somehow and how God works and leads people to the, the personality of the, Authors comes through every once in a while, or the personality of the people that, that are in some of the stories. They, they come through every once in a while, and this is one of those moments. I mean, in Ephesians, Paul has just sat down to write, and you get the feeling he can't write fast enough. So how do we know that? Well, Ephesians chapter 1 verses three through 14 is one long sentence. It's actually, in the Greek, it's a 240-word run-on sentence. Verses fifteen through twenty one is another one hundred and sixty seven word run on sentence. I mean, have you ever had anything like this? Where like you just can't get it out fast enough? I mean, sometimes people run up to you. I, I know there's been times where my kids will run up to me and be like, "Dad," and they just, the words just won't come, Dad. That's the the thing. And I heard the, I, the guy and this, the, the van and SpongeBob, and I need two dollars. And it's like the ice cream truck is in town. Right? Right? And then sometimes you just have these moments where it just all comes out. It's like, yeah, we went to the fair, we went to a thing and we got on the, the deal and we was spinning around, around, round really fast. And then we went on the other one, we were spinning around, around really fast. And then we got some, some ice cream and, and some popcorn and icy. And we went on the other one, and we spun around this way, around, around round really fast. And then we threw up and it was incredible. It's just like, you just can't get it all out fast enough and then you get to Ephesians and this is how he's writing and everything that I just read you, Ephesians chapter two verses one through seven, once again is one long run on sentence. I mean, we're in the second chapter and he's written like five sentences like Paul. I thought you were smart. He's, and he's just in this I cannot help it mode. I cannot help but express what God has done for me in Christ Jesus. And what is he so excited about? I was dead, he says. I was dead, but because of Christ, I have been made alive. Say, what does he mean by by dead well there's another way to look at this word and that's separated if you remember back to luke chapter luke chapter 15 for just a moment if you remember the story of a a man that had two sons and one of the sons comes up to him and says dad i I wish you were dead would you just give me all the inheritance now and and dad says well if, if that's what you want and the boy runs off He runs off and he parties and he spends everything that his dad has given him. And he he runs out of money, runs out of friends, runs out of luck, all these, all these things. And he, he goes and he has to get a job. And as a Jewish kid in the story, he's getting a job feeding pigs. I mean, he's at the lowest of the low. And he says, even the servants in my dad's house have it better than I do. And so he begins to make his way back home. And as Jesus tells the story, if you remember the father's there on the front porch, he's been there seemingly every day looking out, waiting for his son to return. And as his son returns, the dad goes running to him. And what does the dad say? Luke 15, verse 24, he says this, for this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. This son of mine was completely separated from me. He was complete. I was unable to get to him. Being dead, as the Apostle Paul is talking about, is being powerless, being unresponsive to the things of God, completely unable to connect. This is life for everyone before Christ. This is how all of us start out. Whether or not you've been in church your whole life and you came to faith in a Sunday school class somewhere when you were young, or whether or not. You have just recently come to faith. We all start out in the same condition and the condition is death. You may have heard, if you listen to a top 40 radio station, you may have heard of the artist named Hozier, who's got this song out about, he says, take me to church. And he's making a a mockery of church, but he lands on something, maybe accidentally, but he lands on something brilliant. Brilliant. Here's the message of the song. He says, you were born sick. You've all heard them say it. So offer me that deathless death, he says with a mockery in his song. I'll give you my life. Take me to church. Here's the deal. I don't think he meant to, but he just nailed the problem with how so many people present the gospel of Jesus Christ. You see, our message is not that you were sick. Our message is that you were dead. The gospel of Jesus Christ doesn't declare us sick. It declares us dead, separated, powerless, unresponsive, no matter how you started out. Some of you have said, yeah, I, I get that. I mean, I, I deal with things. I deal with addiction. I deal with pain. I, I deal with anger. Some of you may feel like, you know what? You were, you were an out-and-out atheist or agnostic, and you just challenge the things of God, just bold face. You'd rather just thumb your nose at God, just shake your fist and say, none of this is for me. Can I tell you, you are no different than the the kid who put his faith and trust in Christ in Sunday school. We all start off the same. You're not sick. You're separated. And then the apostle Paul takes it another step. He says in verse two, he says, you walked following the course of this world, following the prince of the power of the air the spirit that is now at work in the sons of disobedience among whom we all once lived in the passions of our flesh carrying out the desires of the body and mind and were by nature children of wrath like the rest of mankind the apostle paul says not only were you sick you were following satan i mean this is hard-hitting stuff and he's not insulting you he's excited about it He just called us all dead Satanists. I mean, this is typically you don't get invited to parties when someone describes you this way. But he's saying, listen, that was the case for all of mankind. It's the case for everyone. There is a condition that leads to death. It's death, but you can be made alive in Christ because of what he has done for you. But this is so important to understand because here's the deal. The difference in being sick and dead means this. Becoming a Christian is not a self-help plan. Learning a few things about Jesus along the way should not be a strategy to try to make you feel better about your life or maybe just to leave out of here today and just to behave a little bit better or maybe to feel like that you're, because you've been here, because you've been around some of the things of God, you're just a little bit better than everybody else. Can I tell you, coming to church doesn't make you any better than anybody else. Sick people need a prescription, right? To help fight sickness and disease. Dead people need a savior. And you better hope that you have a savior who knows a little something about resurrection when you find yourself dead. Becoming a Christian is a death to life plan. It's an all-encompassing transformation day after day after day. It's standing in a place of understanding that God has saved me and secured my eternity, and in truth, to really understand what salvation is, it would be to say that God has saved me, he is saving me, he will save me someday. Listen, Jesus saves, and the apostle Paul is so excited that he can't get it off the page fast enough, and if Jesus has saved you, you ought to be a little bit excited this morning too. I don't know what you're staring at me for, because God has done some things for us. Listen, he has made us alive in Christ. He's so excited he can't get it all out. He's written about this before. He actually wrote about it five or six years before in a letter to the people of Rome, the letter to the Romans. In Romans chapter six, verse five, he says it this way. Little, some little differences here I wanna look at. He says, for if we have been united with him, that is Jesus, in a death like his, we shall certainly be united with him in a resurrection like his. Skipping down to verse eight. Now, if we have died with Christ, we believe that we also shall live with him, knowing that Christ, having been raised from the dead, is never to die again. Death no longer is master over him. For the death that he died, he died to sin once for all. But the life that he lives, he lives to God. Even so, consider yourselves to be dead to sin, but alive to God in Christ Jesus. So here's the deal. Apostle Paul says, once you've been made alive, once you have receive that that grace through faith that he's already referenced once and he's going to reference it again in just a moment once you have received that there's a new way to consider yourself you once were dead and now you've been made alive but now in a sense you're dead again but you're dead to sin sin has no mastery over you sin cannot control your life unless you allow it because now you have been made alive he says listen And the same way that you died to sin, you're gonna be resurrected because Jesus did that. Jesus conquered sin and death and hell and the grave so you can too. So why are you letting this stuff hold you back? Why is it that we lose our excitement? Why is it that we lose our enthusiasm about this? I love that the apostle Paul wrote a letter like six years before and now he's writing to the Ephesians and it's like he's more excited than he's ever been about it. Listen, if you've been a Christ follower for a long time and you've let this kind of stuff like wane in your heart and kind of get away from you a little bit, would you just ask God right now to let this sink in like it never has before? Because the Apostle Paul, he's going to get to the Christian living things. We're going to talk about some other things in Ephesians in the next few weeks. But before you can do anything, you've got to understand who you are and whose you are. And so the Apostle Paul says, listen, you were once dead. Now you're dead to sin. And because you've been made alive with him, you, you don't have to be a slave to any of those things anymore anymore. As Christ followers we let sin trip us up we let sin suck the life out of us and we find ourselves separated from God again because even though we should count ourselves dead to sin we we still sin we all still struggle with things we all still have shortcomings but can i just tell you they should have no part in your identity because when god sees you he sees his son The same power that conquered the grave is in you. And some of us find ourselves on any given day giving in to things like anger, to lust, to addiction, to deceit, to apathy, just to the attitude that none of this matters. But there was a time where you've got to understand if you move from death to life, then there is something nagging inside of you. It's the Spirit of God who wants to remind you every single day. It certainly wants to remind you today and allow it to sink in even more that you've been made alive with Christ. I love what Martin Luther says. He says, should anyone knock at my heart and say, who lives here? I should reply, not Martin Luther, but the Lord Jesus Christ. The apostle Paul says all of that and then some in one sentence. And then he gets to sentence number two and says one of the most breathtaking things in all of the New Testament and all of the scripture. One of the most pointed things. He's actually already said it when he's just writing These first few verses, this this long sentence in 1 through 7. Now it's like I said it, but I got to say it again. I got to say this again. You've got to hear this again. And here it is. Sentence number 2 of chapter 2, Ephesians 2, verse 8 says, For by grace you've been saved through faith. For by grace you've been saved through faith. This is not your own doing, it's the gift of God, not a result of work, so that no one may boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared before him, that we should walk in him. It's a great verse, Ephesians 2.10. We don't have time to unpack it any time today, really. But if you just want to look at somebody and say, you're a piece of work, you can just say, yeah, the Bible tells me that. That's awesome. (laughs) I mean, it's just still flowing out of him at this point. From separated followers of Satan to being alive with Christ is absolutely impossible. Going from dead and separated to alive is something that none of us could do on our best day, but because of the grace of God, the unmerited favor of God, every single one of us have an opportunity to move from death to life. It's a gift. And God doesn't put the gift up on a shelf somewhere. He doesn't make you work for it. In fact, the Apostle Paul says, you can't work for this. There's nothing you can do. He doesn't hide it from you. He's inclined to give it the some of the language here in the scripture it's like it's like he's reaching out he's reaching as far as he can to give it to you he just he's come all the way to you all you need to do is accept it by faith i'm horrible at giving gifts can i just tell you that i tell you can i tell you why because once i buy the gift i can't hang on to it i have to give it out I mean, some of you have like already started Christmas shopping. I don't know what your deal is. God bless you. I mean, you know, the mom that has like the gift box in the closet. It's fun to look from up here and see which ones of you this is because people are pointing and that's fun. And but like, you know, you want to be ready for a gift at any moment and you want to be ready for Christmas and you know, you're not going to get into the rush of things. Listen, I kind of like the rush. I like going in and seeing what, how people are all geeked up the week before Christmas. But here's the thing. I have to do it then because if I buy stuff early, I'm going to end up giving it out. I'm not good at holding it back. Yesterday was Valentine's Day. I hope you had a good day. I hope it was great. Uh, Some people are cheering, other people are booing. That's just how that one works, and that's okay. Can I just tell you, yesterday was Valentine's Day. My wife bought Valentine gifts. Do you know when my boys got their Valentine gifts? Last Monday. We do not hold on to gifts well in our house. We just like for people just to have the gifts. And I know we're warping our children and they're going to grow up and have problems from having loving, generous parents. That's okay. (laughs) But we love to give gifts. How much more does God love to give to us? He wants to give it. He's leaning in to give it. He brings it all the way to you and all you have to do is reach out and accept it by faith. Without faith, it's impossible to please God, right? Belief. How much? Just a little bit. With the faith of a mustard seed, not only can you move mountains, but you can receive the gift of salvation that will change your eternal trajectory. And for so many of you, that is what God has done for you. Let it sink in today like it's never come in before, and let it change us going out of here. And it's true for everyone. If you're sitting here today, you're going, no, it's it's not that's not, I'm not sure that's for me. I've got some real uncertainty about this. I mean, I have some questions about the meaning of life. You know, there's some choices that I've made that I shouldn't have. You might think you are the biggest mess in this room, and you might be right. You might think you are too much for anyone to handle. Say, I don't expect God to do anything for me. I don't deserve anything. If there was a way to earn it, I would try. I would probably fail, but none of that. You can't earn it. You don't deserve it. And that's what's so amazing about grace. But the Apostle Paul is saying in this passage, that is what is true for all of us. All of us are born separated from God. Have you ever seen the picture you used to use in Sunday school where, you know, you... And I was a kid's pastor for a while here, so... You had the picture where like God's on one side of you know, the cliff and then there's a big gap and you write sin and the gap and then on the, on the other side, there's people. Do you remember this picture? Has anybody seen? If you've never seen it in flannel graph, it's incredible, really and truly. And some of you don't even know what that is but I love you for that. Um, so as a kids pastor, I would try to illustrate this and I can't even draw the straight lines for the deal. So I would, I would bring up a fifth grade boy because that's what you do, right? You bring up a fifth grade boy and you challenge them, can you jump from here to hear. And what you want them to go is, no, Pastor Paul, that's impossible. Nobody can do that. But here's what a fifth grade boy does. A fifth grade boy asks for permission. How far back can I go so that I can get a flying leap? See, I'm just, I just, I was picturing the broad jump, like the first couple times I I thought, okay, if you, if you stop here, you know, and if I make it over there, you're never going to get there every kid I ever brought up in front of other kids all of them wanted to go get a flying start I had one kid go down the hallway of East Paulding High School one time so that he come could come running back into the cafeteria like he's Carl Lewis and he's now he's going to get up a bunch of speed and he's going to clear this thing so I learned as a kids pastor I need to make this gap really really far right to make sure that no one can ever cross it. And that's the idea. You are so separated from God. There's no, you can't get a flying leap. You can't get across this gap called sin that has separated you. And then whether well, you can draw a little or a lot, or you open up the flannel graph box and you pull out the deal and, and you get a cross and you put the cross in the gap right in between, right in between the two cliffs, right? It's a good picture. There's nothing wrong with the picture. Songs have been written about the picture. But I see it a little bit differently. The cross, I'm so grateful for the cross. Jesus was on that cross. It's a tool. But don't miss this about the picture. Don't just draw the, the cross, or don't just draw the bridge that crosses the great divide. Don't 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 do that. Imagine, if you would, this gap. With God on one side and mankind on the other. It's impossible to get across. And Jesus puts his toes on one side, and it's possible because he's Jesus. He puts his toes on one side of one ridge on the cliff. And then he lays down across that gap himself. And with his fingers clutching on the other side, he hangs on for everything he's got and he's just inviting people with everything he's worth. You can just come straight across me. Just come on across right now. You see... God is separated from man and not only did God send his son but because his son is co-equal with God that means God himself bridged the gap that's grace he brings it all the way to us and he says all you got to do is just walk across this deal go with my son and so the son says things like I am the way the truth and the life no one gets to the father except through me God himself is the bridge across the gap to get to God That's grace. That's his love. Titus 2 verse 11 says, For the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation for all people. Only available to a few? No, everybody. All means all, and that's all that all means. I'm not sure if I qualify. You don't, but it's okay. It's, It's grace. I don't deserve it. Nobody does. In another letter, he writes some similar the Apostle Paul writes some similar statements. Titus chapter three, verse three, he says, at one time, we too were foolish. He's including himself in this. Disobedient, deceived, and enslaved by all kinds of passions and pleasures. We lived in malice and envy, being hated and hating one another. Do you find yourself in any of these words? I mean, this is the Apostle Paul. Do you find yourself in any of this? But when the kindness and love of God our Savior appeared, he saved us. Not because of righteous things we had done, but according to his mercy. Mercy which deserves to punish us. We all deserve to, be, to live eternally separated from him. But even in his mercy, God is generous to us by what he withholds. Romans chapter 3 verse 24 says, All are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus. Romans chapter three, verse 26 says, it was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. I love what Max Locato says about grace. He says, grace has a drenching about it, a wildness about it, a turn you upside downness about it. Grace comes after you, it rewires you. Grace is the voice that calls us to change and then gives us the power to pull it off. Author Tolian Chavidgian says, grace is love that seeks you out when you have nothing to give in return. It's the same for everyone. No matter, we all start off in the same condition and we're all recipients of the same amazing grace. Verse 12 of Ephesians 2, the apostle Paul says, remember that at the time you were separate from Christ, Excluded from citizenship in Israel, foreigners to the covenants of the promise, without hope and without God in the world. Apostle Paul says, "You you were dead. You were following Satan. He says, you were hopeless. You had no chance. And then verse 13. But now in Christ Jesus, you who once were far away have been brought near by what? By the blood of Jesus Christ. For he himself is our peace. He's made two groups. One destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility by setting aside in his flesh, the law with its commands and regulations. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity, thus making peace. A new people, the children of God. It's available to all where do you find yourself in the story in the writings where have you found yourself you realize you were dead did you realize you were following Satan and and he when he calls you a dead Satanist he says don't worry everybody was a dead Satanist at one point so he kind of backs off a little bit and he says "And, and you were hopeless you ever felt that way have you ever felt so far off you didn't think you would ever find your way home you didn't think you would ever find your way back no matter how far away you are, the grace of God, because of the blood of Jesus Christ, reaches out to you, comes all the way to you. I know there's some of you that think things you've been involved in are too dark or you've been away too long. Can I just tell you, that is not true. God extends his love toward us that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And you may have accepted that at one point and walked far away. And I tell you, God is ready to wrap you back up in his arms in the journey with you. I love, my, whenever I talk about grace, I have kind of a, a story that I just love telling. And some of you may have heard it before. It's a story from the Bible. It's my, one of my very favorites. If you haven't felt dead and following Satan, if you haven't felt like, Maybe that doesn't resonate with you or, or hopeless. There's a, there's a story of a little crippled boy in 2 Samuel chapter 9. Just real briefly, I know a lot of you know it. His name is Mephibosheth. He is the son of David's best friend Jonathan, who died some years before. And I I love so much about this story. It has so much meaning for so many reasons. But the king is just sitting around, King David sitting around in 2 Samuel chapter 9, he just asked a question. Is there anyone from the house of Saul, his best friend's dad, is there anyone that I could show kindness to? The word that's translated kindness in our Bibles is very simple. It's the word grace. Is there anyone that I can show grace to? They said, we'll go get somebody. We'll ask them. They used to hang out with Saul and was around. So they went and they got... And they asked somebody and they said, yeah, there's actually a, a kid that uh, when Saul died, when Jonathan died, uh, they assumed that he would be killed as well because he was family. So they, they rushed up to take him away. And when they rushed up, the woman that was watching him dropped him and, and dropped him on his feet and crippled him. And they went far away, the Bible says, to a place of desolation, kind of like a, a place in hiding, but they don't have to go searching for him, so they must not have been that great at hiding. They found him, you know, right away. Knew right where he was at. We can't hide from God. We can't run from him. There's nowhere you can go apart from his grace. Isn't that amazing? There's nowhere you can go apart from grace. So King David says, bring, bring him to me. How, how do you say the name again? Mephibosheth. Okay, that took a while to learn, but okay, we'll do it. So bring the boys. So they bring, they bring this young man and a woman who's been watching him all these years. And he's just assuming like, now this is it. This, this is it, I'm either gonna be, I'm gonna be enslaved or maybe even killed. And King David does something extraordinary. He says, Mephibosheth, here's the deal. I loved your dad. Uh, your grandfather and I didn't exactly see eye to eye. That's a whole other story. But I'm gonna honor your family And I'm gonna give you everything that they had as a royal family. I'm gonna give you all of their land. I'm gonna restore everything to you. And here's the deal. I wanna invite you every day to sit with me at my table. As often as I'm here, as often as a meal is pulled out, as often as you'd like to come, I'd like like for you to sit at my table and I want you to dine with me, the king. undeserved, unexpected, impossible to receive, as far away geographically as he could be, literally and figuratively hobbling through life. And some of you, that's your story. That's your story. You're just barely making it. This idea of being alive with Christ is not alive in you yet can I tell you you've been invited by the king anytime you want to come sit down at the table he wants to give you all that he has he wants to share his life with you he wants to have a friendship with you a relationship with you he wants to extend you grace every single day and you can come and dine from that as often as you want no matter who you are or where you've come from today It's amazing, isn't it? Would you bow your head and close your eyes with me? A couple different types of folks I want to speak to in the room today. First of all, if you're here and you've never put your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I don't know what your reasoning is. I don't know if you've been challenging it all along. I don't know what's been happening, but I am asking, I've been asking before I came in here today that the Holy Spirit of God would speak to you and say today, today, would you believe, would you reach out by faith and receive the gift of God. The gift of God was his son, Jesus Christ, who died on the cross for your sins. And if you would but pray and reach out to him, even now, call on the name of the Lord. The Bible says you will be saved. If there's anyone here that needs to pray and receive Christ right now, would you just pray in your own words, God, I've been far away from you for far too long. God, would you bring me back to yourself right now. I receive the Lord Jesus Christ as my Savior. I believe that you have done all of this for me. I accept it. I believe in his death, his resurrection, and that you want to call me your own. Thank you for that. If you pray to receive Christ today, and would you just take the card that you received as you're coming in today? We call it a Get Connected card. It's really for anything in the church anything you have information about but we would love if you made that decision today that changes your eternity that invites the spirit of God into your life would you let us know so we can help you get started right and for everyone else in here with heads bowed and eyes closed we are going to finish this service today with communion it's a great way to finish as we've sprinted through ephesians chapter 2 today heads bowed and eyes closed i just want to read one of the scriptures that i skipped earlier from this chapter it says remember that you at that time were separate from christ but now in christ jesus you who once were far away have been brought near by the blood of christ You've been walking with Christ very long. I know for me in services like this, I will be sometimes praying for people who've not accepted the grace of God yet to accept it in that moment. But the Apostle Paul commands us to remember. So today, if you're here as a follower of Jesus Christ, would you just ask God right now to allow the truth that you were dead and you have been made alive to sink deep inside of you and to continue to transform you in ways maybe that it has not yet. And use this time to prepare your heart for communion. If you need to confess sin, you need to make something right with someone sitting next to you or are determined to make something right with someone later on today, you can do that. But let's just take a moment before we have communion together to remember what Jesus has done for us and who we are because of that. God, today we remember the body that was broken, the blood that was shed, the gap that was covered, the Son who has allowed us to walk across. God, we thank you so much for the body and blood of Jesus Christ. Without it, we're hopeless. With it, you have given us everything we could ever ask for, immeasurably more than we could ever ask for. Thank you for that. God, if there's sin in our lives today, we confess it before you. We invite you to tend to the garden of our souls, to pull the weeds, God. God, if there's anything between us and other people right now, we we say, God, would would you lower those walls of hostility? you allow us to forgive and be forgiven. Help us to speak to one another in love. God, use this time and these truths to transform us. Thank you for Jesus. We thank you for all that he's done for us. We thank you that it was impossible to connect to you without him. But with him, we can't get any closer. We're so thankful that you invite us to be so close to know you personally. Help us to Love that and live that every single day. In Jesus' name, amen.